3: Welcome to the Hemp Present Resistance, the weekly radio podcast where you can fill your knowledge void of cannabinoids and get your PhD in THC and CBD because you don't just want to burn it you want to learn it, seeking to defeat the alternative facts of Prohibition one interview at a time and advocating for the plant, the whole plant, and nothing but the plant. Join me for a weekly reefer radio rebellion against Prohibition as I speak with some of the principal risk takers, movers and shakers, and history makers of the cannabis industry, culture, and reform movement. I am your host, Vivian McPeak. I am the executive director of the world's largest annual cannabis policy reform event, the Seattle Hemp Fest, speaking flower to power for 28 years and found at hempfest.org. I'm also the author of the book Protestival: A 20-Year Retrospective of Seattle Hempfest from Aha Publishing, also found at hempfest.org. Today's guest on Hemp Percent is Maryland student and activist Jake Burdett, charged with wiretapping after live streaming a meeting at Maryland Representative Harris's office. Jake Burdett is a 21-year-old progressive activist from Howard County, Maryland, as well as a political science student at Salisbury University. In 2018, at 20 years old, Burdett was elected to the Democratic Central Committee of Wacomico County, making him the youngest member. Britta is also co-president of the Salisbury University College Democrats and plans to go to law school after graduating in 2020. On October 2nd of 2018, Jake attended a pro-marijuana legalization protest held by a group called Maryland Marijuana Justice that was aimed at Republican Maryland Representative Andy Harris. Harris has a history of being openly hostile to cannabis legalization. Jake live-streamed the protest on social media as one of Representatives Harris's constituents Harris's office responded by charging Jake Burdett with two felony charges under Maryland's Wiretapping and Electronic Surveillance Act. Those charges bring a maximum potential of 10 years in jail and $20,000 in fines. Jake was charged with one wiretapping count for the recording and one for distribution since it was a Facebook live stream post. Maryland is one of only 12 two-party consent states, meaning it is illegal to record someone without their permission. But we have permission to record Jake Burdett, who has been gracious enough to join me right now to tell you his side of the story. Welcome, Jake, to Cannabis Radio. Thank you for having me on, Vivian. Oh, it's our pleasure, let me tell you. So so let's start off with me asking you, why did it feel it was important to live stream the meeting, and what did you think when you found out that you're being charged with two felonies?
4: Yeah, so that's a good question. Uh, I guess I want to clarify that this was not just some run-of-the-mill meeting. No, this was a planned protest uh, slash demonstration at Andy Harris's constituent office in salisbury which is uh publicly funded by taxpayer money so it's a public space with uh taxpayer funded officials uh of public representatives so i figured all of this stuff um, should be in the public domain especially considering we're talking about an issue of uh, the utmost importance to his constituents and that is the issue of the legalization of marijuana so i figured You know, we're in a public space with public officials about issues of public importance. Why can't we record this? Why don't people have the right to know this? I was in the office during the protest. They have security cameras in there recording me. As taxpayers, we fund their salaries. Why can they record us, but we can't record them? So that's why uh, we felt the need to, to live stream the demonstration Um, And, of course, I didn't know about Maryland's two-party consent law when I made that live stream. Um, So when I found out about the existence of that law, uh, that Maryland is one of those 12 states, I deleted the live stream, um, and then, you know, no harm was really done, but still received a call a few days later that Andy Harris was deciding to press felony charges against me anyways, despite the fact that the live stream was quickly deleted. So um, at, 20 years old uh that was incredibly scary that i could potentially be facing 10 years in prison so um i was freaking out and extremely uh scared
3: how did you initially get the story out uh what kind of national media did you get and what kind of community support did you receive
4: yeah so uh initially when i found out i was being investigated by the police shortly after it happened in early october um i was just scared i we me and my lawyer didn't think it was going to go anywhere so it took a little while before it actually went to the press um it actually wasn't once it was about a month or two later we found out that um the state was going to decide to move forward with prosecuting me um and then they offered me a probation before judgment <laughs> deal in about uh late january which i agreed to in mid february and once i signed that probation deal um, the state prosecutor's office sent out a press release to, I guess, their national press list. So that went to the Washington Post, the Associated Press. And I was expecting the, the story might get some press just because it is uh, a First Amendment question uh, involving a U.S. Congress person and a constituent. So that's newsworthy, in my opinion. But I didn't expect it to be, get picked up uh by those national outlets like the washington post and really become sort of a national news story that uh, a lot of people picked up and ran with especially uh outlets in the marijuana community and of course those are the groups that sort of had my back the most was um you know um pro legalization groups and just progressive groups in general um i was very fortunate Uh, to throughout this stressful situation to have uh, the vocal support of the local indivisible chapter um, on the lower eastern shore where this happened they're called indivisible worcester and on the day of my my court appearance on march 22nd they actually threw a big rally in support of me and in opposition to andy harris so there are many uh, op-eds written in defense of me calling out andy harris so um, I, I definitely won in the court of public opinion and uh, when it comes to the media, so that, that made the process a
3: lot easier. Hashtag backfire. <laughs> um, so Harris had been previously targeted by cannabis legalization protesters. In 2014, he worked to block full legalization in the District of Columbia. What are Representative Harris's justifications for defending cannabis prohibition? Has he, has he been clear at all on why he's so opposed to legalization?
4: Yeah, so I'm glad you bring up that he's long been a target of the uh, marijuana activist community. Yeah, Andy Harris, uh, he, the reason he was a target of this protest is he's one of the most vehemently anti-legalization people in Congress. He's actually the person uh, who is responsible for in D.C., even though uh, marijuana is legal recreationally. Uh, you can't buy it directly uh, in the stores because of a provision that Annie Harris insisted was added to water down the bill. So now you have to go through some loophole um, where you buy a different item and then they give you a quote unquote free gift of uh, some marijuana. So that's because of Annie Harris. And yeah, you would think Annie Harris is actually a medical professional. He's an anesthesiologist. So you'd think a doctor of all people would be able to recognize all the medicinal benefits of marijuana. Um, I have had a chance to ask him and his staff about why he opposed it, and he says it's because there hasn't been enough testing, but uh, a big reason why we're not able to do more testing, which we have done some testing to see the effects, but the reason we can't do more is because it is illegal and because it's a Schedule One drug. It makes it much harder to study uh, the potential effects of it. Um, so that's the excuse that he uses, but I tend to think it, it might be more because if you look at his campaign contributions, uh, pharmaceuticals. In, yes, in 2018 alone took over $40,000 from a uh, big pharma Pack money. So I think that's probably the real explanation. Uh,
3: that's usually behind, uh, all of this stuff uh you ended up accepting a probation before uh, judgment plea deal in march of this year meaning that you have not been convicted of anything but you have to complete three years of probation do 100 hours of community service while paying a fine of fifty dollars per month until your sentence is completed uh we got about two minutes to the first break why did you take the plea deal and do you think that your sentence is fair
4: um, I took the plea deal uh, back in February, and honestly, if I could redo it today, I probably would not have taken the plea deal. But the reason I took it at the time is because um, I was young, I had never been in legal trouble before, I had never been in the, the, the criminal justice system before, so it was just very overwhelming experience, the fact that I was facing potentially 10 years in jail Um Even I realized firsthand how rigged the justice system is, because even if you're moderately confident that you can beat a case, um, if they just throw a hefty enough penalty at you, uh, it's just not worth the risk. And any rational person is going to say, "Okay, I'm not going to take the gamble and risk 10 years in jail when I could just accept a three year probation deal. And 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 that would be the, the more safe option, which is still not a good option, because Um, everybody uh, can slip up every once in a while. And I don't want that to happen to me. So I took it because I felt like my back was against the wall. I didn't have much of an option and I felt trapped. And uh, if I knew today what I knew, uh, what I knew then, um, I probably would not do that again. But what's done is done. I've I've accepted it. I gave in uh, to the fear at the time.
3: My guest is Jake Burdett, and you don't you do not strike me as someone who who is afraid. Uh, but I totally understand, man, when you're they're throwing ten years at you. I mean, that's that's what it's designed to do. My guest is Jake Burdett, and we're gonna roach it for a minute, take that first pause for the cause because there's flaws and laws, which we always call the first break, and come back with more questions for Jake.
2: Time to roll out for the people that let us have present. Hang loose. We're coming right back.
5: Educate, empower, and engage in the evolution of the cannabis industry. Join thousands of industry professionals on August 3rd and 4th in Miami, Florida, for the return of the U.S. Cannabis Conference and Expo. Register for an early bird discount now at usccexpo.com. That's usccexpo.com.
3: should be no crime. Hemp ink is even hot proved by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana llama out. Got to tend to me on Crap Channel. You know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc.
6: Now available for pre-order through crowdfunding for just $14 plus $10 shipping. Pouches, premium mixing and rolling pouches allow you to carry and prepare your herbs for consumption with discretion and ease. These stylish pouches are handcrafted using strong zips, long-wearing buffalo leather outside, and smooth, cheap skin inside. A portion of proceeds go to fund vital medical research into cannabis for ADHD. See a demo and get yours now on Indiegogo or pouches.com. That's P-O-U-C-H-Z dot com.
2: We're back to Hemp Presents, only on Cannabis Radio. Now, back to our headstrong Emperor of hemp, Vivian McPeak.
3: We're back on Cannabis Radio with Jake Burdett. Uh, Jake, you've said that you feel that citizens and constituents should be allowed to record conversations with paid staffers of public officials in taxpayer-funded space. You kind of touched on that already. uh, But but why do you think that that we should have that right?
4: Uh, I think if we want to call ourselves a democracy, we have to actually live by that name. And I think one of the basic tenets of any functioning democracy is basic transparency in government. Uh, these people are supposed to be our elected officials that represent us and make decisions in our name, supposedly in our best interest. So if we pay their, their salaries, if we're funding them, they're representing us, I think that we should have a right to know what they're doing in our name with our money. Are these people actually representing us? Um, and there's just too much uh, lack of transparency in government right now. And so many decisions get made not in the interest of the people they're supposed to represent, but uh, based off of conversations that are happening behind closed doors and smoke-filled back rooms with uh, lobbyists from you know different special interests industries uh, that are donating to their campaigns and they're making they're cutting these backroom deals. We don't know what's being said. They're supposed to be representing us. we're supposed to know, but um, they they know that what they're doing is wrong and that's why they try to keep this out of the public light that's why they want to crack down on on people like me who actually try to hold them accountable
3: Jake we've seen efforts lately coming almost exclusively from Republicans uh, by the way to criminalize and silence protest and we've seen that with uh, protesting uh, you know animal rights protesters at uh, at processing facilities and and farms growing livestock we've seen it with the uh pipeline protests uh do you think that representative harris was making an example of you to scare away other protesters and maybe prevent the public from being informed
4: yeah uh and unfortunately this is not uh harris's first instance of displaying authoritarian behavior and this is not even his first instance of of doing it towards me i think part of the reason why he cracked down so hard on me is because he's long been a target of, uh, unhappy constituents and and progressive groups. And, um, he's always been afraid to be held accountable and confronted with his lack of, of representation. For example, when he conducts town halls, um, and he stopped doing this because he got so much backlash, but for a really long time, for years, he did it this way. He would, uh, vet the questions and uh just choose softball questions and not actually uh ask tough answer tough questions that people were asking and then uh if people would speak up during the town hall and disagree he would just sick the security on them and and throw them out like uh like an authoritarian dictator in a third world country that uh he would normally criticize so um yeah that that's how they get away with with their abuses as they try to make an example out of you they try to Ah, uh, punish one person so that everybody else is afraid to step out of line. Um, and we uh, we can't let that work. We can't give in to those fear tactics. We have to stand up and say, you know what you're doing, what you're doing is wrong, and that's how uh, change usually happens.
3: Jake, you've said publicly, uh, or excuse me, you said that publicity uh, that this incident has generated has been both a gift and a curse for you. It's raised your personal profile, but it's also caused you some problems personally and politically. What kind of problems has has this attention caused you?
4: Yeah, so good question. Um, oftentimes, uh, institutions and people in power tend to have each other's back. So even though what was happening to me was, was clearly an overreach of authority by Andy Harris uh, to the average person's point of view, um, still uh, powerful institutions like you know, you mentioned I'm a student at Salisbury University on the Eastern Shore, where Annie Harris's district is. And um, despite this protest happening not at the university, just in the downtown city of Salisbury, the fact that when it made the news, I was reported as a Salisbury University student. Um, the university didn't like that, and they made me go through uh, a dis- a disciplinary hearing to see if. Um, consequences needed to uh, to be taken against me because it was technically against their student code of conduct to uh, violate a state law, which is what I was being um, convicted or charged with. Um, so I did have to go through a hearing, uh, possibly could have gotten kicked out of my school, possibly could have gotten suspended. Luckily, I uh, successfully defended myself, making the argument that um, what I did since it wasn't on campus, didn't put anybody on the, uh, campus university at harm, but also, uh, with my democratic central committee position, you can be removed upon conviction of a felony, which I was not convicted, so I wasn't removed, but it still did cause quite a few problems, both, uh, in my
3: personal life with school and,
4: you know, my, my political life with, uh, my elected position.
3: I'm sure it was very stressful for you, something that you just really didn't think that you were getting into uh, initially. Uh, so so now, in the wake of all of this, uh, do you in, uh, tend to stand back from activism for a while after this experience, or are you all fired up and just getting started?
4: Yeah, so my immediate uh, gut reaction was kind of like, okay, yeah, I need to take a step back because I am on probation for three years, and any small slip-up, would violate that probation. I could possibly go to jail for five years. So I was thinking it's not worth the risk. Let me just take a back seat. But then after a couple of days of reflection, I realized that's sort of exactly the reaction that Andy Harris and the prosecutor's office, that's the reaction that they want. They, like we were saying earlier, they want to make an example out of me. They want to uh, kill my spirit, make me too scared to do anything, which in turn makes other activists uh, lose hope and and scared to do things. So I realized like if I, if I give into that and if I uh, stop organizing and stop uh, protesting, then I'm really just letting them win and and giving them what they want and making it harder for others to um, fight for change and put the necessary pressure that we need to, to get that change. So um, I quickly got out of that mindset and realized like, no, I actually need to double down now. So, Um, I've gone to several direct actions since then. And maybe I don't always play the the central lead role. I'm still always there, you know, in support doing what I can.
3: Can you tell us about Maryland Marijuana Justice? Uh, Are you active in the group? That was the group that I think was producing the protest uh, that you initially went to?
4: Yeah, Maryland Marijuana Justice, MDMJ for short. They're the ones that planned uh, the rally at Annie Harris's office. Um, they were headquartered in Salisbury. They recently moved uh, to Annapolis. But um, they're actually the sister group of another group called DCMJ, DC Marijuana Justice, uh, started by a guy named Adam Eidinger. And Adam and DCMJ were extremely influential in getting uh, – marijuana legalized for recreational use in dc and that's why they've sort of had this long running vendetta against andy harris for watering down their legislation um so they were uh super supportive of me throughout this process of course um great organization check out both mdmj and dcmj they're both active doing really great work in uh you know pushing legalization in dc and in maryland
3: yeah, Adam Eidinger is a, a friend of mine. He's a, a really a, a great, uh, great activist. I have massive respect for him. In fact, I'd, I'd love to get him on the show. Um, and, and one, one last thing, sorry. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, so uh,
4: it was kind of funny. We, that protest in Salisbury happened at 4.20 p.m. that day, and uh, we also scheduled one in coordination with DCMJ at noon that same day at Andy Harris's D.C. office while ours was at his constituent office in Salisbury. And at the D.C. office, uh, Chris Furnish, the leader of MDMJ, actually uh, smoked a joint outside of Harris's office and uh, got arrested in a direct action there, but uh, got in much less trouble than I did because, of course, it's uh, you know legal in D.C. Um, but that also made like national news as well
3: we got about 30 seconds to the, the next break. Uh, did, did you hear, hear anything from Facebook about this uh, in, involved, the live stream controversy? Uh,
4: yes. They actually – Annie Harris's office went and got a search warrant from Facebook to go through all of my personal messages, go through all of my account things to, I guess, uh, check for – incriminating evidence against me and of course i was not informed of this until after it had already been conducted but yeah 118 pages worth of uh digging into my information
3: well what an honor <laughs> my guest is jake burdett uh student and marijuana activist extraordinaire we're going to take another pause for the cause and hear a word from our sponsors and advertisers come back with our final questions for jake burdett
2: time to roll out for the people that let us and present hang loose We're coming right back.
5: Educate, empower, and engage in the evolution of the cannabis industry. Join thousands of industry professionals on August 3rd and 4th in Miami, Florida, for the return of the U.S. Cannabis Conference and Expo. Register for an early bird discount now at usccexpo.com. That's usccexpo.com. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots.
6: (laughs) They have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots
5: are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out.
2: Expo.com. We're back to Hemp Presents, only on Cannabis Radio. Now, back to our headstrong Emperor of hemp, Vivian McPeak.
3: We're back once again with Jake Burdett with our final segment. So, Jake, you know, I, I've read that issues that you feel that are important to you include ending the drug war and legalizing cannabis, which is obvious. But you also are passionate about Medicare for All, free college, ending U.S. imperialism, um, I kind of sound like Bernie Sanders here for a minute saying all that stuff, uh, who I personally support very strongly. But, but my question is, do you think that all of these causes could in any way be interrelated?
4: Uh, yeah, I think all of those causes are are very related. If you trace back all of those issues, they all are somehow uh, connected to the pursuit of profit at the expense of the good of, uh, society as a whole. And that can be traced back to the unregulated capitalistic system that we live in. I mean, if we take this one by one and really dissect it, the drug war and legalizing cannabis, the reason that cannabis is illegal, despite evidence telling us there's absolutely nothing wrong with it is because the pharmaceutical industry profits, uh, billions of dollars off of it being illegal. So they pay our politicians to keep it that way so that they can continue to profit. Same thing with Medicare for all, with the for-profit health insurance industry. Same thing with U.S. imperialism, with uh, extracting uh, resources and oil and wealth from other countries um, and the military-industrial complex profiting off of uh, weaponry and, you know, back to the drug war with the military-industrial complex profiting off of locking people up. So it's all about, you know, I'm also a big Bernie Sanders fan, whether you want to call it social democracy or democratic socialism – I think it's clear we need to move much in in a more uh, humanistic uh, left direction, more like the Scandinavian countries, and provide these basic rights to to people even if it might not be as profitable for everybody um, because profit is not the most important thing. Um, We need just basic humanity.
3: Yeah. Well, we can certainly profit in more ways uh, than money. We can profit with justice, equality, and, and freedom. Uh, Jake Burdett, just more power to you, man. Uh, You are a kindred spirit, my brother. Uh, Thank you so much for being on him present. Thank you for speaking your truth to power so eloquently uh, you you take care and you stay strong and I think there's big things in your future, bro. Now when to get to a weekly feature for him, present on CannabisRealer.com, That is the quote of the week, and here it is. And I quote, I think of a hero as someone who understands the degree of responsibility that comes with freedom. And that is the immortal words of Bob Dylan. That includes this installment of in on Cannabis Radio. I want to thank Brasco, my man in the control room, and all the Cannabis Radio sponsors and advertisers. Join me next week for some more reefer repartee and cannabis confabulation with some special Sapien on a journey to justice as we silence the violence, increase the peace, and promote unity in the cannabis community with impunity. Because when it comes to prohibition, you have the right not to remain silent. Activism requires a voice. Find your voice and speak up for justice because resistance is fertile. Until then, my friends, stay strong, stand tall, toke it easy, Please, somebody, don't forget to email me at hemppresent at gmail.com. I keep checking my email, and every once in a while, I get something from somebody in another country, but I hardly hear from anybody in America. The Hempresent theme song, Take Back the Plant, is performed by Stickerbush, sung by a much younger version of myself. Turn sure the music, maestro, because I'm out. Marijuana
6: The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind.